because there's no question that we need close relationships. We need partnership. There's a lot of research that shows that when we can develop security in a pair relationship, that life goes better. Welcome to the Audacious Life Podcast, where your host, Stephanie Roberts, welcomes you to listen to women from all walks of life, share their stories of finding freedom from abuse. You'll hear experts give you real advice on what you need to do to create hope for your future, make a plan, and see that light at the end of the tunnel. You'll learn how to build yourself up spiritually, mentally, physically, financially, and legally. One in four women have experienced some form of abuse. And 80% of women who leave abusive relationships go back. It's time to change that statistic and give you the audacious life you've always wanted. A life of freedom, peace, and true joy. Put on your headphones and get ready to be inspired. Welcome to the Audacious Love Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Roberts, and I just wanted to give you guys a heads up that today's podcast is a little bit different. I don't know about you, but when I'm doing research for this, I find that any information about people who hurt other people or abuse them or try to control them, I find that there's usually this very black and white scenario where they're labeled and they're kind of put in a box, like this is who this person is here, they're you know, key characteristics, and they generally don't change. That can be really, really scary. If you still have this person in your life, if you don't have any choice but to deal with the person on a regular basis, um, you know, it's very limiting and also kind of depressing. So today we have a guest who is going to talk about relationships. She's a relationship expert. She's also going to talk about the underlying emotions that cause some of these things that controlling and abusive people do. Not in great detail, but I think what she's going to do is maybe shed some light on the possibilities for all our relationships. And that is something that I hope you will appreciate. And this may give some hope to people who are in those kinds of abusive and controlling relationships that maybe have some potential for growth and change. And, um, you know, you just never know. So anyway, I would say tune in. There's something for everyone, whether you're with someone or not with someone, there's a way to nurture yourself and kind of make yourself more whole, more happy, and get yourself into a state where you are actually able to participate in a healthy relationship moving forward. And by that, I don't just mean romantic relationships, but just all of your relationships. So something in this one for everyone. So without further ado, just wanted to say thanks again for tuning in. Happy to have you. Would love to have a rating and review on iTunes. So go to Apple iTunes, look for The Audacious Life. If you're listening now, just click review and iTunes. Subscribe and review would be fantastic. And here you go. This episode is sponsored by Undolus.com. You've taken control of your life this far, so why not take control of your dating too? The choice is yours. Check out Undolus.com. Undolus.com has leveraged the power of the feminine collective. 
That's right, the sisterhood. There are lots of other women out there like you, and they don't want to date a creepy guy or stalker type, and they don't want you to end up with one either. You'd both rather have the good guy. So maybe that guy who didn't work out for them, he'll be perfect for you. And maybe your dud date is their diamond. Undolus is a place where women can gather, share their thoughts on the men they've spent time dating, whether on a date or a full relationship. Undolus can perform a simple background check too and cross-reference it with women's ratings to give you a dateability score. How cool is that? So go ahead, check out undolus.com. U-N-D-O-L-U-S dot com. Come on, leave some dirt on your ex and help a sister out. Or rate that guy who is sweet but didn't quite work out for you. Heck, you can even leave a review on your best guy friend, the one who's having trouble finding Mrs. Right. Let's help the good guys float to the top. Use promo code ALIFE and leave three reviews to get a free background check. That's A-L-I-F-E. You've got power, so let's wield it. Let's use the Feminine Collective, sign up today, rate your date, and let's build this database so we have a safe place to go to find the good guys and start dating again. Go to undolus.com, U-N-D-O-L-U-S.com. All right, well, welcome to the Audacious Life podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Roberts, and today we have Dr. Rebecca Jorgensen, and she is a relationship doctor, and I will let her explain exactly what she does. So welcome, Rebecca. Hi, thanks. Thanks for having me on. You're welcome. Well, so what I do is, mostly what I do is I work with couples who are in distress, and I train psychologists, marriage and family therapists, other types of licensed professionals how to do couple therapy. And so I'm in and around and with um, troubled relationships, relationships in crisis, people after relationship crises are over or trying to heal from relationships. And that's, mm. you know, where that's the environment I'm functioning in all the time with individual therapy and couple therapy and then workshops and training events. Wow, great. Well, then you are just the right person for me to be talking to right now. So we have, um, for this audience, we have, you know, quite a few people, you know, who are probably trying to get out or manage Mm -hmm. their way through kind of a broken relationship or an unhealthy, abusive relationship. And then there are plenty of people who are kind of out the other side, whether it's recent or maybe they've been out for years and just, you know, I guess the main reason why I wanted to have you on was really to discuss that healing process and also how do you move into a healthy relationship after you've been through something that was abusive. Mm-hmm. Those are so important aspects to look at after a broken relationship because we often feel, and I'm going to say we because I've been there, mm. we often feel broken ourselves or some part of us is broken after we've been in relationships that have been particularly controlling or abusive. And uh, and so seeing our way clear through that and into another relationship is a really important time. Mm. Yeah, definitely. And so um, one of the things that came up, I interviewed Lundy Bancroft a little while ago, and he's an abuse specialist. He works mainly with men, but he's an advocate for women. 
And one of the questions that I asked him, which was a question from the audience actually, was, you know, so many times we see that we're reading about women like us and how we'll go back to women, sorry, to women, to men and relationships that are unhealthy and abusive. And um, I just asked him a little bit about that and was really, really happy to hear and relieved to hear that that's definitely not always the case and that if a woman is aware of her situation and she has, you know, kind of taken that time to heal and dig deep and really look at what it was about her that maybe made her make those choices and what are some things that she can do to protect boundaries and be, you know, a little more guarded because oftentimes women are in these situations are quite open and empathic and forgiving. So um, that was great news, but I'm, I'm really wondering if you can explore with us some of the things that we should look for either within ourselves or within the next, you know, that person who we see, like what should we do to guide ourselves in that next relationship? Well, one of the things that I really like to think about is what we need as human beings in the way of relationship, because there's no question that we need close relationships. We need partnership. There's a lot of research that shows that when we can develop security in a pair relationship, that life goes better. Hmm. And so there's some intrinsic needs that we have for that. And I like to think about, I kind of like to break it down into what I call the ABCs, just a simple little um, acronym around what we need in relationships. So I think about A for acceptance, and this is kind of on the emotional level, B for a sense of belonging, a we-ness, a togetherness, C for comfort, that we can turn to someone, they have our back, we can go to them in times of trouble and be comforted, have contact, have touch, have a sense of connection. And then S, safety, that we really need emotional safety to be seen, be ourselves, and uh, and that would go for physical safety as well. But even on the emotional level, that I can open up and not be shot down for that. Mm. So I think about those those ABCs, and then getting to know what what needs are most hard for me to claim. Hmm. And you can look at your history, your relationship history, and the things that you yearn for, um, because we'll have oftentimes kind of an unmet need around this these ABCs. One or two of them may stand out more to us than one or two of the other ones. Mm -hmm. And so it's important for us to know kind of our own combination of what we're needing for and looking for in relationship and what's been most unmet in our life, because that then becomes a very vulnerable spot for us. And someone can come along and uh, sweep us off our feet like, oh, you, I'm getting so much attention and mm -hmm. I feel seen. And, um, and that can bring up some blind spots for us because if we have kind of these big unmet needs, then someone can come in and, um, and we, we may miss some other parts of our needs th that would bring some balance into the relationship. So in essence, are you saying that because we maybe have this 
emptiness or this this longing that's suddenly filled because we haven't maybe taken the time to look at the other things we get. I like the way that you're saying that about the suddenly because <laughs> I think we're in emotional pain a re, you know a relief that comes in quickly we can have that experience of like oh this is it now because we have this soothing experience mm-hmm. and and that we may think that that's foundational to a healthy relationship but that suddenness of that coming in actually may be a bit of a warning sign for us mm. can you talk a little bit more about that well when we're really let's say that i really have felt a lot of loneliness a lot of aloneness and so i that sense of i'm not together you know i'm not mm-hmm. together with someone i don't have my belonging needs met i'm right. not in a team and i feel like i'm doing everything on my own and someone comes along and and wants to be with a lot and and sees me a lot and maybe offers a lot of help uh, then i may ignore safety needs i may ignore um, how do I feel accepted? Do I have, can I actually look to this person for comfort when I'm afraid? Um, so the balance can get tipped. Right. And that leaves us, and then when, when that balance gets tipped in the relationship, we're more likely to get into a relational dynamic that ends up being lopsided and painful. Mm, that makes total sense. Yeah. So what would someone do to avoid that? I mean, obviously, like you said, the suddenness is one of the things that maybe would be the tip off. But what are some other things? Like, let's say the person is a good person and there is true potential there. So is there a way to maybe slow it down or? So one thing that we can do is to make sure that we have a good support network so that some of those most of those needs are being met. Of course, we can't get all our intimacy needs met, you know, through friends and support. It's really helpful to have a breadth of support and to have people that we do trust because it's often hard to really trust ourselves when we're entering new relationships after very difficult relationships. So, for example, I can remember coming out of a, particularly difficult relationship that was fairly emotionally abusive and at times physically abusive. And, mm. um, and then being dating and being with who, who is now my husband, you know, <laughs> starting to date him and feeling so unsure of myself. Right. Being able to go to someone who knew me over the years and say, I, you know, I just, I don't trust myself. This feels good, but I, mm. one of the impacts of being in a very difficult and abusive relationship is that because it felt good at one point, you know, before the right. relationship goes bad, that we end up trusting or mistrusting our own judgment, our mm-hmm. own ability to see. And so having extra support around that and, um, if I hadn't had had kind of some support who said, well, actually, he's a good guy, you know, mm-hmm. I, um, I know him or 
I've also seen him in other relationships, and he's a good guy. That that was that was really important for me because I also had to redevelop my sense of trust in myself along the way. And so having a good support network is really important so that some of those needs around, uh, you know, I could open up and cry. I could mm-hmm. uh, look for comfort in other places. I could say, is, am I keeping healthy boundaries? You know, am I getting, is it going too fast? I could, I had people around me who were a safety net for me. And that was, mm-hmm. that's really important that we, do that as we're healing. Right. I like that a lot. And I think it's, it's tough because if you are, and this is why timing is probably the biggest question, because when you're getting out of a relationship that's been abusive and usually quite isolating, then you may have, you know, this attrition where people who are your close friends have fallen by the wayside, either, you know, due to the situation you are in or the aftermath when, you know, all the friends divide and choose sides mm-hmm. um, and you find out who your real friends are. So you, I mean, that's just speaks to the, the issue of timing. You need to rebuild new relationships or re, you know, reconnect with the people who knew you as you were when you were healthier and happier, maybe, and really leverage that and try to become, you know, your, best sense of yourself and and get to that place where you feel more whole you know timing doesn't always work (laughs) that way you might meet somebody before you're maybe even really ready so it's so nice to have somebody there where you can say okay I need you to be my my eyes and ears I'm going to check in with you you know yes and so we can kind of slow ourselves down and slow the journey down and focus on the healing a little bit more Mm -hmm. I really like some of the research that we now have now when we like fMRI brain scans and mm. some research that points to our emotional pain hurt like that mm. it registers in the brain the same place wow. as physical pain okay. so we coming out of a, a broken relationship especially one where we were you know really hurt or abused in it is painful and it takes you wouldn't go to say have a broken leg and expect that you're going to be able to run a marathon or even you know kind of do that without support and (laughs) when we're thinking about going back into a long-term romantic relationship that that's a (laughs) long-term process and we need to be prepared for the length of that and Mm -hmm. so getting really kind of healed and in shape and as you say being our a better version of ourselves knowing uh, what our weaknesses are so we can buff up some of those and have the extra support is really very important in the healing process yeah that's great and so I guess the other question I have is how if because these abusive relationships can be kind of complex you know sometimes it's just a woman alone and you know she's kind of made it her way through and out the other side and there aren't children involved sometimes there are children or property or you know whatever and so there's still a connection to that other person do you have any advice on how to um, navigate that aspect of it like explaining the dynamic and what it was and how it might still be this tenuous and perhaps even unsafe situation 
you know, while you're, I mean, and that may never go away until your children are off to college or something. So. Well, it's um, when there's a relationship imbalance that leads to finally a woman having to get out and in a protected sort of a way, then to come back and try to set limits and be safe and, watch out for the kids or not and kind of carry on in some way that's different is a really big challenge mm-hmm. to, because those safety measures weren't be, weren't able to she wasn't able to create those during the life of the relationship right and so that's that is expected to be a challenge and again i think extra support is very helpful for that uh, I think doing a lot of things in public is helpful because we have then social support around us for bad behavior to be more contained. Mm -hmm. One of the concepts that I really loved when I was going through a breakup and there was still a lot of emotional intensity between me and my ex was this idea when I, I, of course, had been doing a lot of reading and studying. It was before I was doing relationship counseling myself. Hmm. And I came across, I, I wish I knew what the, who the author was, but there was a concept about um, being emotionally divorced, hmm. not, not just separated, and that what that looks like. <laughs> and there's a lack of energy, a, a more of an apathy. You know, there's, there's less intensity because even really negative emotion can bind us to someone right. else. It's true. So I um, started to pay attention to releasing or giving up, unlatching from, you know, what he may or may not do, bringing in that extra support, creating spaces where if like the kids had to be dropped off back and forth or if something like that is happening, Mm -hmm. that you're also changing the environment in a way to support what you weren't able to create during the relationship. Right. I like that. Yeah. I think that's really important. And I, I always am a big fan of the public aspect that you mentioned and just, you know, neutral spaces mm-hmm. so that there's, you know, more safety and both emotional, physical, whatever. I just think that that makes more sense. And the dynamic is definitely different in a public space. Yeah. Being, creating a different dynamic is really important. And so knowing how we got caught in a particular dynamic or what our part of the dynamic is, even afterwards, Mm -hmm. um, like maybe going along, going along for too long until we couldn't tolerate it anymore. Like knowing that, Oh, I, that's something that I do. I, like right. I may try to please too much, go along too much. And, <laughs> yep. and then that, then I end up kind of getting squashed, you know, <laughs> who I am I, gets lost in that kind of going along space. So like, recognizing that and, and then working to not go along, you know, like speak up earlier and softer mm-hmm. uh, much, much, much sooner before it's way down the road where I'm, kind of fighting for my life and then things right. get very escalated. Right. Um, so knowing those, you know, understanding that about ourselves and then um, 
making some affirmations around doing those things different and even just um, like not tolerating the bad behavior is really important to do. Like getting off the phone mm-hmm. and somebody starts getting escalated with you. I, many of us and myself included, I can remember the days when I would say, um, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, but I'm going to have to hang up on you now while I was getting blasted, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and I felt so bad and ashamed for being like rude right? Oh my goodness. Wow. Wow. So, so yeah. we have to be aware of <laughs> and take little steps towards right. like getting ourselves out of those and creating a different situation. Right. So oh, that we great. can, so that we can step up sooner. Mm, that's really smart. Well, so now I'm really intrigued, Becca. So what is your story? So I didn't even know that you had this story of abuse in your life. And so is that, did that impact why you chose to become this relationship expert coach? Consciously, actually, I was, I'm sure it all dovetailed together in some way, Mm -hmm. but I was helping. I had, I I was a natural therapist counselor. I, people came to me because I was a good listener. And so that had always been, throughout my life and my mom was way into self-help and I never was a nonfiction reader. She had self-help books all around. I, I was always interested in people and psychology and people just came to me. My friends were always asking me advice and I was always like going to the library and picking up another book to go, Oh, well, I wonder what they should do in this situation. Oh, that's great. And then I had a friend who was in a very, very physically abuse, abusive relationship. And, and I started to go to the library to find out about abusive relationships, you know, because wow. he was like getting black eyes and getting throttled and, you know, it was wow. very, very physically abusive, very, very dangerous situation. Hmm. And I started to realize that if I was going to like it, I needed to know what I was talking about. Yeah. So that kind of propelled me to go to, to, to go back to school. Uh-huh. And, um, but I really wanted to help children. So oh. I started helping children. I hmm. became a school counselor, started helping children. But I, for me, it felt like I wasn't helping children. I couldn't help them if the family dynamic wasn't changing. Yeah. So that just kind of moved me into working with individuals and adults and, my success rate was really poor at helping couples and helping families really mostly couples, which was pretty, pretty standard actually. Mm. Probably people are, if they're not seeing a specifically trained couple therapist that you just go to a general therapist who's trying to help you with a couple relationship, they're more likely to help you break up than to help you. (laughs) I've heard that. uh, (laughs) So, then I heard about, you know, the form of therapy that I do now, and it just changed my practice so much that it was like, finally, I found a way I could help children and families oh, wow. through this form of therapy. So, I, you know, I think that, yeah, um, there's probably some part of me that I didn't know how to save my own relationship, but really, I think it was kind of saving the children that was driving me more than... Hmm. trying to help couples, but it certainly became a mission about helping couples. 
Wow. And so what is the form of therapy that you found? That's It's called emotionally focused therapy, and it's a research-based model of couple therapy and family and individual therapy as well. And so it very much looks at emotions and patterns, and it looks both within ourselves and then what happens between. So what patterns are, you know, and sometimes we do get caught in repetitious patterns, like from, from relationship to relationship. But many times we shift patterns when we shift relationships. So that's the really hopeful part. And the other hopeful part is we can oftentimes shift patterns within relationships if they haven't gone on too long and there's not too much damage. So, you know, it's, it's pretty hopeful as far as couples who come in a little bit earlier when there's not, uh, you know, when there's some pliability around Mm -hmm. change with both partners. So I guess, my ears are perking up because I'm sure that there are going to be some women listening to this thinking, Oh, well maybe that's the kind of therapy that we need. And if we just have that kind of therapy, maybe we can make it through. So do you, do you see many, mostly just referring to verbally and emotionally abusive relationships? Do you see them transform under this method? We do see a lot of transformation when it's verbally and emotionally abusive relationships or what we'd you know call that Um, so yeah we do see a lot of success with that and although we would also be looking for you know safety factors and Hmm. are both partners willing you know coming to there it takes involvement from both yeah Um, but the therapy itself can help help a lot of couples either heal their relationship within the relationship or heal enough to kind of safely get out of their relationship. Okay. Um, and kind of know which way they want to go without it being under duress, for example. Nice. Nice. So it wouldn't be necessarily that we're going to try to save every relationship. We're going to try to see what that dynamic is. And sometimes we are working, like I'm working with a couple and that dynamic is so painful Mm. that, um, you know, we often have mixed feelings. We don't get in long-term relationships wanting to get out of them. Right. That's usually not our intention. So, but you can, through this kind of therapy, really determine, is it going to be safe for me? And when the therapist helps us slow things down and look at the pattern that we're caught in and look at the dynamic, can I really risk trusting can I risk again? Can we feel the love and safety again? And so that going through the model, this model of therapy, that would help someone kind of decide if it mm. if there's potential for that to heal or, and if it's worth the risk. Right. Lots of times it's not worth the risk. Mm. I like that. And so is this form of therapy, and you do refer to it as EFT, it's different than tapping. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's emotionally focused therapy. It is referred to as EFT. It's the other EFT. <laughs> so if somebody's, I'm asking because if somebody's Googling a therapist and they want to go and maybe their partner is willing to go, just want to make sure that they right, end up with the right type yes. of EFT. <laughs> that's right. It's, yeah, it's emotionally focused therapy four couples and we have a certification program around that and you can find very well-trained therapists and it's really a psychology 
it's not an energy based it's a psychology based mm-hmm. research based we've got 30 years of research behind it wow. it's the most effective form of couple therapy that's available like wow um 70 70 75 percent what would call a cure rate from distress to happy and about a 90 percent improvement rate that's amazing that's really incredible i haven't even i hadn't heard of it yet of course there are we would also i mean some relationships aren't you wouldn't like i wouldn't see some couples in couple therapy because there's not enough of a safe foundation to begin Mm -hmm. couple therapy with um so there there are some things that might rule out even beginning that kind of therapy for some couples, but a lot of distressed and even highly distressed couples were able to help. So when you say that, are you referring to emotional safety or physical mm-hmm. safety or emotional both? safety? Yeah. yeah. Emotional safety. And yeah, can certainly you physical safety? We would, um, that's a generally a contraindication for, mm-hmm. um, couple therapy. Right. That makes sense. So can you, some people don't really know what that means, emotional safety. Can you say a little bit more about that? Well, if we can create it in the room, lots of couples are not safe with each other mm-hmm. outside because these really, you know, volatile dynamics get going on um, where there's a lot of criticism and contention and contempt, you know, very painful things that happen. And so that is standard with distressed couples. So what we're looking at is, and can, if a couple comes in, we'll do an initial assessment, and can I, as the therapist, create safety in the space, emotional safety? Can I manage the session? Can I slow the couple down? Will both partners be able to kind of begin to own their steps in this negative cycle and this negative dance? Um, And so we'll be looking at things that will tell us, can we proceed with couple therapy or would we recommend individual therapy or would we maybe not even recommend, um, you know, the couple we, we wouldn't, I would never not recommend, a, I, I wouldn't typically recommend someone to split up or to stay together. I don't really see that as my job. I mm-hmm. will help people kind of figure that out by looking at the dynamics between them and, um, and offering support for them to understand what, where they are and, you know, what the potential is for them. Oh, that's great. I like that a lot. And so if this is, you have 30 years of research behind us. Would you say that in terms of finding therapists across the nation or even the world, that this is something that would be easy or kind of a little more difficult to find in a therapist? It's improving all the time. There's an international center. It's called the International Center for Excellence in Emotionally Focused Therapy that has a Find a Therapist website. You know, on the website, it has a Find a Therapist locator. Okay, great. Um, and... And of course, people could contact me. I've trained people around the world. I train therapists around the world. And there's uh, several, many trainers around the world. So we're probably training around 2,000 therapists a year. Wow. And 
it's growing and because it's award-winning and research-based that many couples are asking, finding it and asking for it. So, you know, kind of from the grassroots up, people are looking for therapists who know how to do this because the research is so good on it. Mm -hmm. So you can, you know, most of the major cities, you can find a therapist and many of the outlining areas. And we also have people who will do, uh, you know, in most of the major countries, you know, we can, you can find an emotionally focused therapy therapist and some people are able to do it um, in like via Skype. We have workshops for couples to come to. So you could maybe do a weekend workshop. I do a lot of um, workshops for couples to kind of help them get started. And you can also, Couples can do intensive therapy. So like I live in Mexico and couples will fly in and see me and we'll spend a week and and see how far they can get in healing their relationship or maybe get out of crisis. So it's there's ways to try to access those services if they're not right around you. Nice. That's great. That's very encouraging. Wow. And it sounds like you're sort of healing relationships yourself. You have this mission um, as a trainer, it's it's just fabulous. I mean, I think what in the time that I've been, you know, working on this podcast and going through some of my own experiences, and I have a vast library of self help books myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I started at about age twelve, actually. My mother sounds like we your right, mother. Yes, we were right in the same. same <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. So, um, I just think that's wonderful, and I think what I've what I'm wondering about is you know, in the field of, you know, verbal emotional abuse, there's often this categorization of the abuser as maybe being a narcissist or a sociopath or having borderline personality disorder. And I'm just wondering if you see those types of things as obstacles or if, I mean, it seems like a big chunk of the population fall into the narcissist category. Um, So I don't know. I'm just curious what your thoughts are on that. Well, there's ways that we categorize people that perhaps aren't particularly helpful. They're Mm -hmm. useful because they give us kind of a framework to understand what's going on and language around that. Mm -hmm. I think people that are in pain cause pain for other people. Right. And that's not necessarily the intention behind Mm -hmm. that. So um, we'll often look at my perspective as a therapist is, is that people as people we are meant to grow to heal to become more and to be in relationship you know that we're relationally based organisms as humans and that we need that social acceptance and we need comfort and teamwork and all of that so um you know there's reasons that people end up hurting other people and so therapy, I think, does better. I, I do better as the therapist when I'm looking for what causes the pain than trying to label the behavior. I like that. Yeah, that's much more hopeful than just strictly labeling and, you know, kind of pushing somebody into a box. Mm-hmm. It's helpful if you're trying to get out of something mm-hmm. and you need a way out, you know, that because mm-hmm. many times we don't trust our own experience to just mm-hmm. go, wow, this hurts so much. Mm-hmm. And um, I need more safety, so I'm, you know, going to make sure that I can get extra support and get extra safety. And so we may 
move into you're bad and you're doing these awful things. And so that helps us that helps us distance, right? There's a way that when we kind of can move out of our pain and into our head and categorize or label or judge that it it helps us kind of objectify the other mm. and and it and it's a distancer. And sometimes mm. we're in so much pain there's like that's the only way we can see out mm. of it is to you know, villainize our, what's been happening. And of course, many bad things happen in relationships. So the behavior can be really, really bad. Um, but again, I think it often comes from when we are in pain that we can really hurt others. Right. I like that. So part of the emotionally focused is that it is again? Sorry. Uh-huh, yeah. So the emotion part of that. So you're, are you working on healing some of that emotional pain in both of the people and then helping them to kind of reveal that, heal it, see it in each other, acknowledge it and move forward together? Yeah, that's really, that's a really pretty good summary of it. One of the things that happens is we are, our brains are made to alert for danger. Mm-hmm. And when, if I'm in a relationship and I feel misunderstood and I, my feelings get hurt. Of course, our feelings always get hurt in close relationships <laughs> um, because this is Sue Johnson, who's the founder of this form of therapy would say, you can't really dance in close proximity without stepping on each other's toes. <laughs> right. Right. So of course our feelings are going to get hurt. But um, one of the things that happens is you were talking about filters a little bit earlier. Yes. One of the things that happens is um, our brains are made to generalize to keep us safe, to protect us. And so if i am been hurt, I'm going to be watching for mm-hmm. that kind of hurt again to avoid that sort of pain. Right. And then what often happens with couples is um, – uh, like I, if I need connection with you, but you also look dangerous to me, then the things that brought us together, like the risks that we would take to be close and to feel understood and to be seen by each other, we start putting up protective walls from, right. and it just happens where we start to generalize. Mm-hmm. So we'll see, oh, you did that, or you, you know, yelled at me about that, and that hurts and that reminds me of some other time that either you did that or someone else did that and now when i need closeness from you i don't trust it Mm. and that generalization of fear that our brains just kind of automatically do in an unconscious way to protect us Mm -hmm. then begins to distance us from really having our needs met and it can create a really bad interactive pattern you know between us because when we're needing closeness and we can't get it then that's like the most dangerous thing initially to us as a human being right yeah and then i'm not getting the closeness but now not only am i getting the closeness you're actually turning and hurting me Mm -hmm. when i'm afraid and so what we do is start to make some of that unconscious conscious Mm-hmm. and um, look at the pattern. So we both, it's a tricky therapy because we're looking both what happens really deep on the inside 
that's mostly unconscious and starting to explore those fears and those unmet needs and then how that translates into how we behave, protect ourselves, distance, or protest the ways that we get disconnected. Mm. Um, so we, you know, that's, and that's really a way that we can begin to heal too, even on our own when we get out of bad relationships to begin to look at because what ultimately what we have control over and responsibility for is our own reactivity our own responses and meet and finding ways that we can operate in the world and heal and have our needs met so that kind of looking at you know what do i do when i'm afraid that you're going to turn and attack me you know and um and it may just start with little snarky comments between a couple before it escalates you know to higher right. degrees um so beginning like for me to begin to we know journaling is really helpful in healing emotion healing emotional wounds making things more conscious um so as we go through the kind of that self discovery and um you know where we do or don't keep safety up or where we get triggered i mean you I don't know where you are at in the current relationship, but I certainly remember going back into relationships and, and my partner just coming up and hugging me in a particular way. And it would trigger, Oh no, you know, this memory from a former relationship that says, Oh, are you going to be the same way now? Cause you know, you're, it's reminding me and my, mm -hmm. my brain will naturally do that. Like, mm -hmm. like bring up those similarities as a way to go, you know, danger, danger. Exactly. It's like the ghosts so, of your past kind of exactly. creeping in. That's yeah. right. And so like understanding that about ourselves um, will have, we'll have those little signals of places mm -hmm. that we need to heal. We can, we need to pay attention to those. Yeah. And I think, you know, I've had this conversation with a friend about those feelings and I guess my feeling, and I don't know if this is in line with what you're doing, but it's like if you are able to feel safe enough to say, like, for example, how you felt with that hug, like, oh, you know, this is bringing up, this is triggering something for me. I'm going to be okay, but I need to talk about it. And it's like just shining a spotlight on it mm -hmm. and having that feeling be accepted by your partner mm -hmm. can really, I think, extinguish some of that, you know, that pain that's coming up or that shadow ghost whatever you want to call it hugely hugely right. that's so helpful because when you expose that then you see oh are now are you whoever you're talking to are you able to see me and see mm -hmm. my fear and is that acceptable right which brings a lot of comfort mm -hmm. uh, or how do you res how do you as my partner then respond to that do you blame me do you feel like oh i did a bad thing now i shouldn't approach you in that way mm -hmm. you know it, it helps you kind of see a, a dynamic exactly that may or may not start you know mm -hmm. so that if you can open up and share it that that's really counterintuitive though to sh to put the spotlight on it and to open it up because that's risky you know, right. that's stepping right into the vulnerability. But that is the kind of strength and that kind of risk is really what helps you 
helps us create stronger bonds and determine safety. Right. Good. Well, I'm glad my instincts were right on that. <laughs> so, creates healing. You know, this, yeah, those pains yeah. that are created in hurts that are created in relationships are healed in relationships. And right. it's I don't true. really think that we heal by ourselves. Right. And I just think that acceptance is just such a beautiful thing. I've just learned to really like just that word acceptance. And I don't mean acceptance of negative things that hurt other people, but just accepting another person's pain or their story or, you know, whatever, whatever it is that they're identifying and being vulnerable with you sharing is huge. I mean, that's how you build intimacy. And I think it's how you move forward. Yes, I I was talking to a therapist from at a training event I was doing a few days ago. And um, he said something like, I think, uh, because even as therapists, we struggle with these kinds of concepts in our own relationships. He said, I think we all just need a year of empathy training. <laughs> we want to fix it. We want to fix other people. We don't know how to kind of reach over and be with someone in their pain. Yeah. And, um, I think that empathy for ourselves and sure. for other people's pain, and just as you say, that accept that is accepting. Like, oh, I, I see your pain and... I'm sad you have pain and it's okay with me that you have pain. Right. You know, Cause I, I trust that as you share the pain with me, it's actually going to help you heal. Right. And the other person and helps us be closer. Right. And the other person triggering it, obviously they have no idea that, that, you know, what, what might trigger you. So it's certainly not their fault or anything like that. And so if there's, if that piece yeah. is somehow kind of cast aside because people do kind of blame themselves when another person starts to feel bad or hurt or wounded or whatever. Um, I think that that can make a big, big difference. Probably easier said than done. <laughs> so. Well, one of the things that you said, it, well, it's a really, it's a tricky practice, but it's a really beautiful thing to do. And one of the things that you said is the that the way you put a spotlight and share it it's you're saying to you know the, your partner or who you're dating the person across from you mm-hmm. this brought up something for me you're not saying you touched me in a way that you know took me back you're, right so there's a way about self-disclosure that becomes really important in in safety for self and safety for other right Right. It reminds me a little bit of the work of Dr. Kristen. It, it reminds me a little bit of the work of Dr. Kristen Neff, who hmm. does research and presentations on self-compassion. Okay. And she has a beautiful she has a beautiful website too, um, and some self-scoring questionnaires around just this idea of self-acceptance and Mm -hmm. self-compassion for recognizing our own pain and our own needs and, and treating ourselves nice around that, treating ourselves as Mm -hmm. our own friend, right? being compassionate that we have pain. Like that's, those are pretty important things too on the healing journey. Right. I like that a lot. Yeah. That's great. Wow. This has been so helpful. And so I, I will definitely, um, We'll figure out how to include Dr. Kristen Neff's information. And then what's the best way for people to 
look for you online, reach out to you in other ways. Like what's, we'll also put this in the show notes, but feel free to mention. Sure. Um, well, I have a, a couple different websites, RebeccaJorgensen.com, but that's really largely, it, there is a, a place on there for um, couples to go to and find my blog, find my mm-hmm. other blog. That's kind of the place where the therapist would go to RebeccaJorgensen.com, but I have okay. another website called livinginlove.us okay. like .us, that um, I have a blog and about workshops for couples and couple information um, that's nice. helpful okay. helpful to couples or to, even to individuals to kind of start to understand looking at their own um, recovery right Right. That's great. Well, this has been so eye-opening and so refreshing, really. <laughs> I have to say, so glad I had you on. <laughs> Seriously. Well, I just think it, there's so much hope, you know, yeah. even getting out of bad relationships and, and being able to be in a good, healthy, secure, happy relationship. It's, it's totally doable and possible. I, I'm 20 plus years now in a very happy relationship and after you know being a couple of times around the block in really difficult difficult relationships and um so i i think if i can do it anybody can kind of do it (laughs) i love that yeah and it's a good testament to the rest of us that even somebody in your profession can struggle with these things because that's something that comes up a lot too like oh you know why does she stay or I don't shouldn't see it or, you know, happens even to professionals, right? You just sort of, yeah. Yes, absolutely. Um, I do a lot of workshops for therapists and their partners because (laughs) therapists have difficult times (laughs) as well. And I'm really glad to be on the end where I kind of know both, both, both ways now, you know, both the pain of the breakup and the recovery and bad relationship as well as, good relationships because I, I think it really is very hopeful for healing and and me and my my husband we it wasn't always easy you know we, we had to learn how to really be with each other as well so it's not relationships take work but they're so worth it and we need them so mm-hmm. <laughs> learning how to be a good partner and to be with a good partner I think I- is uh, we don't often grow up knowing how to do that. So, right, exactly. Yeah, and so one quick thing. This is not a great exit question, but I just did promise that I would ask one of these questions. And we already talked about filters and relationships. So the tail end of that question that was sent in by a listener <laughs> was, what are three questions you would ask someone in the beginning of a relationship to find out if they're capable of having a long-term healthy relationship? What, what I hear first is I'm really scared. Yeah. I'm really scared to enter a relationship and I want kind of a, some, I want a formula, right? Mm-hmm. And so that, that's, that's an important thing just to notice that okay. can I even tell right off the bat around somebody or not. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm, one of the things that I think that can be helpful for people to look at is there's a body of literature on attachment style, hmm. on the ways that we 
how we respond when we're afraid? Do we kind of move into blame or criticism or anxiety? Or do we move away from relationship and emotionally kind of close down? And so knowing our own uh, kind of style for moving around in relationships can be really helpful and knowing someone else's. Being able to determine someone else's um, can also be helpful as well. So Hmm. I would want to, I mean, one thing is there's no instant answers. So I'm going to notice that um, just the idea of wanting three foolproof questions would say (laughs) it's really scary. And look in, look inside for the answers rather than looking outside to the other. Hmm. How do you feel? How do you, can you open up? Are you willing to take some risks with that person? Take little risks and do they respond when you take little risks? Uh, Do you feel like you have to take really big risks to get their attention? And if you do, that's probably uh, uh, kind of a warning sign for you. Mm -hmm. Do you feel that you have to go along and placate and not be yourself with them? So I'd more look at, What three questions can I ask myself when I'm with that person to know whether um, I'm being authentic and I, and whether I can feel um, safe and not, you know, we're going to be scared whenever, whenever we're entering something new, but do I feel like I have to really take a really big risk to be seen Hmm. or can I take it at a pace that feels comfortable um, and take, little risk that I feel like I'm still responded to you know do I feel like I'm getting rejected a lot or talked Mm -hmm. over or unseen so I think that'd be three the three questions would be what can I ask myself to evaluate how I felt after being with that person okay I like that and it sounds like the self-scoring the Dr. Neff's self-scoring might be helpful for the person who asked that question to kind of figure out, Mm -hmm. I don't know how you worded it, the self-love aspect of that. I think we can be, we can, yeah, we can be so hard on ourselves. And, and of course there's going to be a state, there's going to be a stage of healing when we really don't trust ourselves and we feel worthless coming out of really abusive relationships you know we can feel really like failures and kind of worthless and unloved and so you know working on that part of it and that's that's just a stage as long as we're doing things that help us heal that will pass you know we can move out of that out of that into something that we feel better about ourselves in and we can check in and tune in and and um appreciate our own who we are and our own you know needs and desires that's great that sounds like good homework for all of us (laughs) so (laughs) awesome well thank you so much i really appreciate this becca this has been like i said it's been an eye-opener and absolutely just inspiring in the most positive way and we could use a little bit of that light so thank you (laughs) Oh, thank you so much for having me on and for what you're doing to help so many um, women in recovering and and moving on to find new relationships and and really finding their voice. It's so important that we each have a voice and it's so important that we find and use it. We're, 
we're what we have, you know, at the end of the day, who we are is so important. So I love that you have that message, um, that you're sending that message. Thank you. I appreciate that. All right, great. Well, thanks again. You take care. Thanks. All my best to you and all your listeners. Thank you. The Audacious Life. Find peace and break free. Get three key things that will help you begin healing from abuse. Download them for free at theaudaciouslife.com. Steph welcomes you to join her social circle on Twitter at The Audacious Life, Facebook.com backslash The Audacious Life, 